Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Each week at this time, you can hear beautiful music and a powerful message from God's Word by our pastor, Dr. Randy Ray. Stay tuned for the next 60 minutes to Family Bible Hour. Well, I want to thank all of you for being here today. Let me tell you what's going to happen next Sunday. We're going to begin a new series, The Sermon on the Mount. I feel pretty confident in that series because if I stay to the, to the Sermon on the Mount, I can't possibly mess it up. And uh, <clears throat> that Sermon on the Mount is the greatest uh, message that's ever been preached, of course, by the greatest preacher who has ever preached, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, I'm going to finish up a little mini-series that we have been doing, and uh, this is a call for believers like you and me to turn from our wicked ways and call on the Lord and bring revival and healing to our country. The title of the message today is Freedom, and the text is Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 2 through 15. If you will, take a look at the uh, verse that we've quoted the last three and now uh, fourth week, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. And if you'll read it aloud together with me, please. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I read that <clears throat> right through a, a cough. <clears throat> that is not an easy thing to do. <clears throat> God has always advocated a free people, <clears throat> always. From Egyptian bondage, where Pharaoh was clearly told, let my people go, to the bondage of legalism, God would have people to be free. Freedom is the founding principle of Christianity because we know the truth. The Bible says if you know the truth, <clears throat> the truth will make you free. And if we've been made free in Christ, then we're free indeed. <clears throat> it's the founding principle of this country, of the United States of America. We are <clears throat> a free people. We were uh, established as a free people to be a free people. And I'm going to say this to you that it is our responsibility as citizens in this free country to maintain our freedoms and to stand up for freedoms. No reasonable confines should take from a, a free people the right to be free. Now certainly we live in a world where there must be rules and we must respect the rules and we should respect one another. But that should not keep us from being free. I will say to you that religions and churches and governments or any other entity in life uh, should not own the liberty of a free person. We should be free. Now your church and your pastor stands and I preach, but the truth is that you are free. I would not bind you by any rules or, or legalese that uh, might come out of, of a church. Through free will, God has given each of us the right to choose. Now the truth is, we could choose rightly or we could choose wrongly, but God has given to us a free will. Even more specific is the freedom of the born-again believer. As a born-again believer, you have freedom in Jesus Christ. I preach the Word of God to you, but when you walk out the door, you are free before God to practice what has been preached, to argue with what has been preached, 
to drop what has been preached off in the parking lot and leave the property without it. You're free to take it in and base the rest of your life on it if you want to. But you have a choice as to what you do with the Word of God. It is your choice. It's up to you because God has made you a free person. And the founding fathers of our country set out to write a document guaranteeing our freedom for all time in the United States of America. We have a a, um, Declaration of Independence and a Constitution that is mainly designed to provide for and protect our uh, freedoms. Uh, Paul wrote to the Galatian church of the assault on their freedom by those who would impose the law of Moses on all people. And there was a time when there were those who would impose the law of Moses on everyone. That's where the idea of legalism first started was when uh, in the early church, the Jewish people wanted to impose upon the early church additional rules and regulation of Judaism before they could really consider themselves right with God. That was a legalistic uh, binding. That was, they wanted to add to their, <clears throat> to their faith, they wanted to add to their, the grace of God in their lives, the law of Moses. That was <clears throat> and is legalism. To relate that today, it would be like those who are of a radical Muslim uh, vantage point wanting all the world to live under Sharia or Islamic law. You've, you've heard people talk on television about uh, that, that uh, this group wants everybody to live under Sharia law. And I will say this and not in any way in defense of Islam at all, but Islam is like any other religion. It has uh, people on a graded scale as to how they, they follow the, the Islamic uh, faith. And there are, um, I, I have a, uh, I have a, do- a doctor who is, uh, has a, um, not my, my uh, uh, regular practitioner, he's sitting back there. He's, uh, <clears throat> he's Baptist. But uh, I have a doctor, one of my doctors, you know, when you get older, you have teams of doctors and uh, <clears throat> they look at various things. And uh, this one doctor has a very unusual name. And I said to him uh, one day, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do you have a, a faith or a religious belief or, or something? And a very, very nice doctor and, and a good doctor. And he said to me, he said, well, uh, my father and mother, he's from another country. He said, my father and mother uh, would be Islam. Uh, they're, they're, they're Muslim, but he said they don't really practice it that much. So I kind of grew up in a, a Muslim home, and he said, but I married a Catholic girl. And I said, okay, so your, your parents were kind of Muslim, but they really didn't practice it, and so you're kind of by default Muslim, even though you didn't practice it, but you married a Catholic girl. I said, could I describe you as Muslim light? And uh, he said, yeah, that's a good way to say it, Muslim light. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, I've got a real good, um, uh, a real good solution for uh, uh, Muslim guys that are married uh, to Catholic women. And he said, what is that? I said, North Florida Baptist Church. And uh, <clears throat> he said, yeah, Dr. Thacker's already told me about that. Good job, Dr. Thacker. I like that. <clears throat> but uh, but there is that strain of people in Islam, just like there was that strain of 
uh, people in uh, the Jewish world back in Jesus' day and in the early church that believes that, that is the, the Islamic uh, people believe that everyone should be ruled by Sharia law, whether you are Muslim or not, that the Christian world, the Jewish world, and everyone should be <clears throat> ruled by Sharia law. That's much like the way that it was in uh, the writing of Galatian when uh, those people in the early church, the Jews wanted them to be ruled by certain Jewish traditions or certain Jewish laws. Paul speaks to that in Galatians 5 and now verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace, for through the Spirit, by faith, we, have, uh, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now I want to speak to you for the next few minutes, and I want to speak to you in this light. Here's the way I want you to think of yourself. I'm, I'm speaking to you as the American Christian congregation. You are Americans, I, I assume. There may be some from uh, other nationalities here, but <clears throat> you're Americans. And, and I would say that for the most part, uh, all of you are believers. You're born again <clears throat> believers. So I'm going to speak to you as the American Christian congregation. And as this designation, we are uh, a certain kind of people. First of all, we are a people who are clearly different. We are different from the rest of the world as an American congregation. The Bible calls believers a unique kind of people in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Now, many of you uh, have been to numerous destinations around the world, and you have discovered similarities between people, and you've also discovered that there are differences between, say, who you grew up to be and what others are. As American Christians, we are obviously different from other people in the world. We're different in other countries, but we're even different at home. There is and should be a difference about ourselves. Now, what is the difference? Well, first of all, there should be a difference in conversion. That is, that we have had an experience in our life that brings about a unique confidence in our lives that causes us to know that we have been converted, that we are indeed right with God, not because of our good works, but because of something that has been done for us by God himself. There's something that, that has happened in the born-again believer that has changed just everything. It's changed how we look at other people and how we look at various situations and how we look at the world in general. If you are saved, you should expect to see the world differently. If you are saved, you should expect to look on the world and say, all right, I see it different now than I used to see it. We call that a world view. How you view the world, if you're a born-again believer, how you view the world is significantly different than how other people might view the world. For instance, I see our country's relationship to Israel 
in a different light than maybe an unbeliever might see it. Now, an unbeliever might see our relationship to Israel as that Israel's always been a strong ally and we've been a strong ally to them and, and we must continue on and on and, and so on. And so they may support our relationship as a country to Israel. But I support our country's relationship to Israel from a different reason and for a different reason. I know that God has promised a blessing to those who bless Israel and a curse to those who curse Israel. And I don't, I don't think that is a, uh, I think that from God's standpoint, that, that blessing doesn't have a timeline. You say, well, that was back when Israel was really being blessed of God. No, no. He said, I will bless to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. He said that, that through Abraham and through the Jewish world that all the world would be blessed. I look at that, and I really believe that. I believe it from a biblical vantage point. I believe with all of my heart as a believer, I have no hesitation to support Israel. And let me just say this, I have no hesitation to support Israel over Iran. It doesn't bother me a lick to do that. Uh, It doesn't cause me to say, well, let me think this thing through. I don't have to think it through. I support Israel over Iran. And the reason that I do is because of a conversion that has taken place that has affected the way that I see the world today. Uh, It's just part of my my worldview. It's part of my spiritual DNA. There's a DNA that I've got inside of me that causes me to view that and other things in in a unique way, in a, a believer's way. We're just clearly different by reason of our conversion. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to pull over and park for just a minute. And I want to emphasize the fact that everyone must be converted. Uh, I, I was at a funeral. I have a friend, a lot of friends actually, that go to Good Shepherd uh, Catholic Church. And uh, I, I, uh, the, the pastor over there is, is Father Mike, and I can't think of his last name, but it's, uh, it's either Scottish or Irish. I think it's Irish. And uh, so Father Mike one day, I, I have a, a real good friend, another guy named Mike, and I was at a funeral service, and I came out of the funeral service and I stopped, and he said, oh, hello, Pastor. How are you doing? And I said, well, I'm doing fine. How are you? And he said, good. And I said, well, I want to tell you something that, uh, and I called, and it's actually this friend's name is Jerry, and I called Jerry's name. I said, uh, uh, I think uh, Jerry, uh, he said, yeah, I know Jerry. I said, I, th- I think uh, Jerry is, is about to convert. Uh, he told me that he's thinking about to converting to be a Baptist. And uh, he looked at me, and he said, well, it's a good thing. Everybody ought to be converted. And I love that. And I said, you're absolutely right. That's what the Bible says. Jesus said it this way, you must be born again. That's what Jesus said. Everybody must be born again. And and by the way, that is not dependent on what religion you are. That is dependent on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me just explain something to you. Every Sunday, I preach a message to build up the saints of God, but there's always, there's always within that Sunday sermon the, the um, opportunity for salvation, the opportunity for those who do not know Jesus Christ to come to know the Lord. And, and I want to say this to you today, and I say it very clearly and, and hopefully with a sense of compassion and maybe convincing is that if, if you are a person that has come to this church and you enjoy the church 
or you don't enjoy the church or uh, you like to hear about uh, God or you don't like to hear about God or whatever it is, but there's something inside of you that says, I really need to know more about that being born again thing. What's he talking about being converted? What does that mean to be born again? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to, first of all, stay with us for the rest of the service. And then secondly, I'm going to give an invitation at the close of the service. Here's what that invitation is for. It's for God's people and those people who feel like they need to make a decision to make the decision that they believe that God wants them to make. And I'll be standing, I'll stand right down here. This is what I always do. And Perry Gaines, our executive pastor, will stand over here. Jesse Bryan, our youth guy, will stand over here. Our youth minister, I shouldn't call you just a youth guy, although that's what he is. Next, sitting next to him is a youth gal. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, but uh, we'll be standing down here. And, and all you have to do is this. You know, the, the preacher said today about being converted. The preacher said today about being born again. And I have heard that and I never really got it. I never really understood it. But I want to understand that today. I want somebody to tell me about that. If you will do that, here's what I, here's what'll happen. Okay. This is very, very simple. I'm going to, I'm going to get you in You're, This is like a backstage Disney tour. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to give the invitation and we'll begin to sing. And we have some people who know how to share uh, getting you from Tallahassee to heaven. Uh, we know, they know how to share being born again. And we're, they're going to come and they're going to stand on the side. And if you'll come and see me or Jesse or Perry, and you say, I want to know about being born again. If you're a lady, I, I'll look to this side or that side and I'll motion for one of the ladies to come. And they'll come and I'll say, uh, in fact, one of the ladies is my wife, Jan. I'll say, this is my wife, Jan. And this uh, lady, uh, Susie, or wh- whatever your name is, wants to know about being born again. Can you help her with that? And Jan say, well, she, first of all, Jan will smile real big. And she said, well, of course I will. And then Jan will, will walk with her just outside here uh, in the hallway to a, a little room and sit down and share with her from the Bible how to know Jesus Christ and pray and receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord. And by faith today, before you walk out of this building, you can become a born-again believer, a child of God, so that the next time that somebody asks you about that, you can raise your hand and say, I'm one of those. I'm a born-again believer. I'm a child of God. I know that I'm saved. We're talking about today uh, our freedom, and we're talking about that believers should be clearly different. And one of the reasons is because of our conversion. Here's the second reason, because of our calling. Uh, the verse we read earlier from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says that we were called from the dark into the light. Specifically, it said, we were called into His marvelous light. In, in the world that is way too politically correct, we are afraid to be right about anything for fear of offending someone. It's just tough in this world to be right. What we want to do is be mostly right so that somebody else who thinks that they're mostly right will be okay with our being mostly right and, and so on. But, but here's what the, the verse said, that we are called out of darkness into marvelous light. We can be enlightened and not offensive, and Christianity is enlightenment. In fact, as we bring the message to a close in a few moments, we're going to see that, by the way, that was my first moment of hope, young people. You know how you look for moments of hope in a service? 
whenever the pastor says, and in a few moments we'll close, that's your first moment of hope. Or if you say, if he says, I have one more thing I want to cover, that's your moment of hope that he's almost finished. Let me tell you what that really means when a pastor says that. Absolutely nothing. And however, uh, you just had a bit of a moment of, of hope. When we bring this message to a close, we're going to see that our freedom is much different than that of other people. We have a responsible freedom. We have a unique freedom. Uh, We're not free to kill those who disagree with our religion, but we are free to love them. Uh, We simply have a different calling. In Matthew 28 and verse 18 through 20, a calling is given. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, not to be overly proud, but we must recognize that born-again people are clearly different with a conversion and a calling. Our calling is to take the message that we know to be true in our hearts. That is that Jesus will change your life. Because of the way that our country was founded, here's what that means. That means that we're clearly different not only in conversation and, or in conversion and in calling, but we're different in country. This country is different. You can go to the internet and you'll find plenty of people adamantly holding that America was not founded as a Christian nation. Um, You'll find a lot of people like that. However, here's what I know. I know this. I know that our money says on it, in God we trust. I know that. I know that the Declaration of Independence speaks of our Creator giving us certain unalienable rights. I know that. I know that our laws are founded on the Judeo-Christian ethic and that freedom to worship as we please, clearly a Christian principle is foundational to our rights as citizens. All of that, all of that is foundational to who we are. And I want to tell you something, that those are the markings of a Christian nation. Not, and, and not being mean, but not a Muslim nation. Although people are free to worship uh, Islam in this nation in which we live because of our Christian principles and the principle of free will that we've given in this country a freedom, a, a, an open door for people to worship however they wish to worship or not to worship at all because we have a, a difference in this country. This country is clearly different because we have always deferred to the true and living God as our source of wisdom and our strength and our right to be free. That's just who we are. We do not apologize for our position in the world or the belief that right is right and freedom should be defended. We, we not only believe in freedom of religion in the world, we just, in, in our country, we just believe in it around the world. We believe that all the world over, it's easy to see. People everywhere just got to be free. Uh, we believe that. We believe in freedom. Everywhere, for all people, we believe in freedom. We send missionaries out so people can be free in Christ. We wouldn't send a missionary out for somebody to be free in Christ, yet believe that they shouldn't be free in their life. We're just different that way. So as Paul spoke of, to the Galatians, he might as well have been speaking to us because he said, you folks are different. 
you have a difference about you there's a freedom about you a uniqueness about you you're different in your conversion you're different in your calling uh, and and we would say if he were talking to us he'd say you're different in your country now like the believers in Galatia born again America is clearly different like the Galatian church there's also a cause for stumbling there are opportunities in the world in which we live today to just stumble Galatians 5 and verse 7 says you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth this person is not from him or this uh, persuasion is not from him who calls you a little leaven leavens the whole lump I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and the one that is troubling you will bear the penalty whoever it is, he is but if I brothers still preach circumcision why am I still being persecuted in that case the offense of the cross has been removed I wish those who unsettled you would emasculate themselves. Have you ever seen a, a long distance race where the, the runners uh, get uh, <clears throat> their legs, their, their feet get tangled up on the, the race? I think there was a, a woman named Bud uh, <clears throat> many years ago and, and uh, that, that happened to her and, and it sends them to the track. This happens in the Christian race too. Someone to be running really well, and then along comes some, uh, someone within or, or in, inside of the body of Christ or outside of the body of Christ, and they'll just trip somebody up. They just trip them up and fall flat on their face. And you look back and you say, what happened to you? Well, so-and-so tripped me back there. And, and they, they're just they're laying flat on their face. Or something else uh, trips them up. I'm not really sure for the, uh, the reason of it, but clearly... Uh, Christianity has stumbled in America. We, we have really stumbled in our faith. Now, I'm talking to people who I believe are trying to uphold your faith and live your faith, but, but there's far more people out there who are claimed to be born again who have stumbled in their faith, and they just will not uphold the faith. We have opted for Christianity light rather than uh, being the light of the world. We have diluted or leavened, as the text says. Now, how has that come about? Well, let me tell you some ways that we have been caused to stumble or have been diluted. First of all, we've been hindered. There's a lot of hindering going on. The climate in our country is such that you must be careful how you claim your faith. You may work in an office or, or in a, for the government or, or for some other company or whatever, and you're in very close scrutiny as to how you express anything regarding your faith. There may be somebody in this, this room who had to take your Bible off your desk and put it in the drawer. There may be somebody in this room who looks around before you bow your head to pray uh, at lunch. There have been a number of, of lawsuits over Bible clubs in America. We are just simply, try, there, there is a I believe an all-out and continual hindering going on to the work of God. Earlier this month in Texas, there was a controversy when a long tradition of having scripture banners for a public school football team to burst through was brought to a halt because of one complaint to the superintendent of schools. It, it seems to be the never-ending story. The work and message of Christianity is hindered whenever we allow it to be hindered. And it's kind of placed the Christian in a different uh, mood, if you will, in a different stand uh, than, than we might like to be. 
Uh, we, we, begin, we become more bristly and we, we become more edgy about our faith instead of more loving about our faith. We're talking about how we're caused to stumble. Sometimes we're hindered. Sometimes we're just flat out persecuted. That's entirely possible. The climate in which we're living has silenced a lot of people who have been speaking up or should be speaking up. When I bring messages about morality, as I did a couple of weeks ago, and point out the immorality in our, our land, and, and point out that God never intended uh, for uh, same-sex uh, to, to cohabit as though they were, they were husband and wife, and, and point out those kinds of things and, and other things that we've talked about over the last three or four weeks. Speak of the fact that, that we have become an abortion nation or we have a crippling debt that God simply does not want us to have. I have comments from people like this. These are, these are three comments that I've, I've had. And I've had them uh, more than once, various comments. Uh, more than one person has said, be careful. Now, that's not anybody in this church. Nobody in this church has told me to be careful because you know me too well. But, but there, I have had people outside, good friends of mine, good friends of mine who believe the way that I believe. And, and I mean, they are conservative like I'm conservative just in life. And they, they say to me, well, that sounds good, but now be careful. I've also had people say this, you're brave. You're, you're brave and, and talk, about, uh, talk about it like that. And I've had some people uh, say, we some of you said, we appreciate your stand. Now, I, I said that to say this, folks, this should be the everyday fare of pulpits in our country. Pulpits in our country ought to be telling the truth all the time. Pulpits in our country shouldn't be pulling punches. Paul knew that, that his preaching would rub the government the wrong way, but he still preached. You said it landed him in prison. There's a lot of preaching that has landed people in prison. But it is, it is my belief that somehow or another, if the pulpit is bold, maybe the congregation will be bolder than they have been. It is important, and it's time for God's people to stand united and, and to, to not be dissuaded from being who they are, to do it in the right way, but, but not in any way to back down from saying, I believe in God. I believe in the Word. I believe that the Bible teaches this morality. I believe this. This is my belief. This is my conviction because of the difference that Jesus Christ has made in my life. You have to do that. Never in any of our memory has the country been so divided and over the most basic and important issues. We're dealing in freedom here, folks. In fact, here's the third thing. We are called to freedom. Our calling is to freedom. I saw, did y'all know that Roseanne Barr is running for president? Did y'all know that? I guess she'd sing the national anthem at her own inauguration, <laughs> but, but she is lit she's running for president on some ridiculous party. But what she said was, America needs more socialism. I'm just saying, Sean, that America needs more socialism. Yeah, and you probably need a couple of cups of coffee there, sister. <clears throat> I, I looked up countries. I looked up countries that are considered socialist. 
Here's what, here's what America needs, according to Roseanne and a lot of other people. We need to be more like China. We need to be more like Cuba, Laos, Vietnam, North Korea. They're all socialist countries. We need to be more like that. No, 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 we don't. As a nation, we were called to freedom in 1776. And as individuals, we are called to freedom when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. What is the nature of our call to freedom? Here's what Paul said and, and told the Galatians in Galatians 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. <clears throat> for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Now, what is that freedom? Well, first of all, let me give you three things and I'm done. Number one, we're free to live. Freedom is not autonomy. We're free to live in a world, but we're not free uh, to live as though there was no world around us. Freedom carries with it a responsibility. I am free to live, but so are you. Someone made this statement, and I think it's a good way to understand it. Your freedom ends at my nose. And that's the truth. We are free, but we're free to live in a, uh, with other people who are free in a responsible world. I'm not exactly sure how it happened, but, but there's an anger in our country today. Our country is generally angry. Now you say, Pastor Ray, you said earlier that you're a conservative, so that must mean that you're not a liberal. That's exactly right. And you can go ahead and fill in all the rest of those dots. But, but let me tell you this. <clears throat> the anger has no persuasion. There's anger among conservatives. There's anger among liberals. There's anger on the left. There's anger on the right. There's anger with, with a D and a donkey. And there's anger <clears throat> with an R and a pachyderm. And there's anger with an eye and independent. There's just anger. <clears throat> we are just mad. <clears throat> we know why there's anger in the Muslim world. <clears throat> the radical Muslim, quite frankly, and I'm saying radical, I explained earlier that there was a difference. But <clears throat> the radical Muslim world, they have anger in their doctrine. It's, they have a doctrine to be angry. This, it's the state of our nation that concerns me. I certainly have a candidate that I'm supporting for president. But I don't think he can end the anger. Somewhere, somehow, we believers hold some responsibility to live in such a way that we stand for what we believe, but we remain open to those who are not yet at the place to where we've come. <clears throat> we've got to be that way. We cannot win the world or even lead the world if we bite and devour one another. As I said earlier, the, the pulpits must remain bold, but must also have compassion. Here's what we used to call it. <clears throat> Some of you will remember this. We used to call it hating the sin, but loving the <clears throat> sinner. We used to call it that. And we used to practice that. <clears throat> we hated the sin but we loved the sinner. Now we seem to think it's our calling to hate the people of the sins that we hate. That's not Christianity. In fact, with our freedom to live, 
with our freedom to live comes another freedom, and that is freedom to love. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul said it clear and concise in Galatians 5, 12. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> I'm going to give you an illustration. I hesitate to do so because you might think wrong things. I don't want you to think wrong things. <clears throat> and I don't want you to come talking to me about it afterward. <clears throat> it helps make my point. I have a friend <clears throat> who was a pastor up until about two months ago. <clears throat> and it, over a period of time, he has taken a considerable amount of money from his church. <clears throat> a lot of money from his church. Now, I'm not exactly sure how he got himself in a position to do so. <clears throat> I'm just not sure because for 20-something years, I've stayed out of any kind of a position where that I can <clears throat> get my hands on, on the funds. But somehow or another, <clears throat> he, uh, uh, he began to take money, and he took more money to cover the money that he had taken, and <clears throat> he felt so bad about it. And he went to his church and he confessed. He, just, he told them he didn't get caught. He confessed. <clears throat> then he had to resign. And now he's facing a lot of issues, including legal issues. <clears throat> Some major legal issues. Uh, he's probably going to end up going to jail. I mean, he's already <clears throat> been booked, but he's going to have a trial and he'll probably end up going to prison. He is <clears throat> ruined. Absolutely ruined. His family will not speak to him. Most of his friends will not communicate with him. He's just ruined. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> on a Sunday night, I was sitting in my living room. And I got his phone number and my cell phone. I just called him. He began to cry. And uh, he said, Brother Andy, I'm so glad to hear from you. And I said, man, I love you. <laughs> I love you. And he said, I know, but I'm so ashamed. And <clears throat> I've talked to a few friends, but he said, I, most people just <clears throat> don't talk to me. He said, my family's not talking to me. And uh, <clears throat> he said, I, I love you. And I said, I love you. And, he, he, and then I told him <clears throat> what I've said. I, and I, I, <laughs> I said, that I got people in my church who do not like for me to hear, hear me say this. They don't like it at all. They tell me I ought not say it, but that's why I hadn't stopped. I said, if you knew me the way that I know me, you wouldn't listen to me preach. He cried. He said, boy, I'm glad you said that. I said, why, what have you heard? Uh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> no, he was, he was so gracious. And then this is kind of the thing I was hesitant to tell you. <clears throat> but Jan and I sent him a check last week to help him with his living expenses. I don't tell you that <clears throat> as being proud. I just tell you that as an example. Even though he messed up, we're still free to love him. You get that? <clears throat> we're still free to love him. Loving someone who has sinned or is living in sin is not complicity with the sin. Not long ago, someone spoke to me of one of our former uh, staff members who regrettably did a wrong thing. If you've been around for a while, you know about it. <clears throat> Innocently, the person made this comment. I really liked him. 
To which I responded, I still do. I love the guy. That's the, <clears throat> I think that's the way God wants me to respond to sinners. <clears throat> this is part of the freedom that we have in Christ, and it should be a part of our freedom as Americans. We should be able to love one another, but we don't. <clears throat> there are certainly reasons that, that love has a hard time reaching across the aisle, but if it is <clears throat> to be fixed, it's up to you and me, the American believer. We've got to start loving across the aisle. I can't endorse the gay lifestyle. But I can love your son and I can love your daughter who has endorsed it. I can't, I can't tell them that it's the right thing, but I can love them. There's no question about where this church stands in matters of life, but we must love those who are caught up in the trap of an unplanned pregnancy and being pulled by a world so cavalier about the right to choose. We're free to hate sin and free to love the sinner. Let me give you one more freedom. We're free to serve. Here is a tough assignment. Verse 13 of our text. For you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. There's no question that we've been addressing issues that not only relate to our country, but to the election that we're about to face. There's no question. I feel very strongly about it, and most of you do too. However, I feel even stronger about the importance of expressing my freedom to serve those who agree with me and those who don't. This is our calling to freedom. This is what Jesus would do. Without dampening anyone's zeal, I encourage all of us to make sure that our Christian love is the strongest motivation for the freedom that You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week at this same time for the Family Bible Hour.